The book of Acts, starting in chapter 27, we should be able to finish it today. Remember, uh, Paul is now um, under guard and being taken to Rome, and so they board uh, multiple ships, and Luke gives a lot of detail here and all the little places they stop and the different ships, and then they end up in a place called Lycia. Uh, the... the um, the man, the centurion, uh, is named Julius, and he's giving Paul consideration, so he's he's able to move around freely. Um, and then again, he gives a lot of detail, which I'm not going to go over. And then they um, uh, some time pass, and it becomes dangerous to sail. And Paul begins to admonish them, saying, Men, I perceive that the voyage will certainly be with damage and great loss, not only of the cargo and the ships, but also of our lives. But the centurion was more persuaded by the pilot and the captain of the ship than by what was being said by Paul. He didn't realize Paul was speaking from the Lord and just thought he was a guy talking. And he figured the ship owner, you know, had more experience sailing. So he's the guy to listen to, right? So it's a good word for all of us that um, uh, uh, a word from the Lord is, is more important than a word from the, the greatest wisdom of the world. So they decided to set sail again, trying to reach Phoenix, a harbor in Crete. And then uh, south wind came up, and so uh, supposing that they had attained their purpose, they weighed anchor and began sailing along Crete, inland, uh, inshore, close, sorry, close inshore. But before very long, they rushed down from the land of violent wind called Uroquilo, and when the ship was caught in it, they, they got carried away by the storm, basically. And they lost control. They just had to go where it sent them. They put the sea anchor out, hoping it would kind of drag them, keep them up. They're, I mean, they're afraid they're going to run aground. They're afraid they're going to tip over. They started throwing all their cargo overboard to make them lighter. The, because of the storm, they couldn't see the stars at night or anything. So they, they had no idea where they were. And they began to just fear they were going to die. They, they, uh, their hope of being saved was gradually abandoned. And then they'd gone a long time without food, and Paul stands up and says, Men, you ought to have followed my advice, and not to have set sail from Crete, and incurred this damage and loss. Yet now I urge you to keep up your courage, for there will be no loss of life amongst you, but only of the ship. For this very night an angel of God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, stood before me, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar, and behold, God has granted you all those who are sailing with you. Therefore, keep up your courage, men, for I believe, God, that it will turn out exactly as I have been told. But we must run aground on a certain island. So, that's that's encouraging. He's, you know, he's continually operating from a different wisdom that, you know, the Lord sent an angel in this dream and and uh, when they were all gung-ho for for uh, sailing, he says, no, there's great danger, we should not sail. And then when they're uh, all uh, just given up and thinking they're going to die, he says, no, the Lord has different plans than that. So 14 nights into the storm, they begin to think that they're getting closer to land. They take soundings and they realize they are. And so they're afraid they're going to hit ground. So they put uh, four anchors out to uh, wait for daybreak. And then some sailors were trying to escape. And uh, they were, you know, on the pretense of intending to lay out anchors from the bow. 
Uh, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men remain in the ship, you yourselves cannot be saved. So then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship's boat and let it fall away. And it's it's overnight, so it doesn't sound like any of them are sleeping. It hasn't, uh, or maybe they've gotten up early. It hasn't, uh, been, it's not dawn yet. And Paul starts encouraging them to take some food. He says, today's the 14th day that you've been constantly watching and going without eating, having taken nothing. Therefore, I encourage you to take some food, for this is for your preservation, for not a hair from the head of any of you will perish. So he took some bread, broke it, gave thanks to God, and began eating it in front of all of them. And so they were all encouraged, and they started taking food themselves, and all of us in the ship, so Luke is there, were 276 persons. When they had eaten enough, they, had, they began to lighten the ship by throwing out the wheat into the sea. So when they came, they didn't recognize the land, but they did see there's a bay with a beach. And so they decided they're going to drive the ship onto that beach. And they cast off the anchors, cutting them into the sea. And they, uh, hoisting the foresail to the wind, they were heading for the beach. But they struck a reef uh, where the two seas met. And the, they ran the vessel aground there on the reef. And the prow stuck fast and remained immovable. But the stern began to be broken up. So the ship starts breaking. The soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners so that none of them would swim away and escape. But the centurion, wanting to bring Paul safely through, kept them from their intention and commanded that those who could swim should jump aboard, overboard first and get to land, and the rest should follow, some on planks and others on various things from the ship. And so it happened that they were all brought safely to land. And then we're on to the last chapter, 28. And so they get on the land and they find out they're on an island called Malta. And... They, the natives there are extremely kind, and because of the rain they had set in, and because of the cold, they kindled a fire and received us all. So they're very nice and welcoming, And then, but then Paul is gathering uh, a bundle of sticks to lay on the fire, and a viper came out because of the heat, fastened itself on his hand, and the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand. They began saying to one another, Undoubtedly, this man is a murderer, and though he has been saved from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. However, he shook the creature off into the fire and suffered no harm. So they knew, you know, they knew the snake, right? They, they live, it's their island, they, they know what it is, they see it on him, and so they know that he is supposed to die from this venomous snake. But he doesn't die, that's not, that's not uh, you know, the enemy can attack in many ways. But it's up to the Lord for those living completely in the Lord. Um, you know, the, the enemy can only attack. He can, he can hurt, but he cannot overwhelm for those living in the Lord. And so Paul, he gets bit, but he shakes it off and the, the poison does not affect him. So they're expecting, they know the snake, they're expecting him to swell up, suddenly fall down dead. But after they had waited a long time and he had seen nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their mind and began to say that he is a god. Now, in the neighborhood of that place were the lands belonging to the leading man of the island named Publius. And he welcomed them and entertained them courteously for three days. And Publius is, he's like the governor, I guess. He, his dad is, uh, is sick and uh, he's got a recurrent fever and dysentery and so Paul prays and then he goes in and lays hands on him and heals him and after this happened the rest of the people on the island who had diseases were coming to get cured 
And so then they also honored them and they gave them many marks of respect. And when we were setting sail, they supplied us with all that they needed. So they were there three months and then they left on the Alexandrian ship that had the twin brothers as a figurehead. And they put in at Syracuse and stayed there for three days. From there they sailed, arrived at Regium, then to Putioli, and they found some brothers there. And they were invited to stay with them for seven days, and thus we came to Rome. And the brethren, when they heard about us, came from there as far as the market of Appius and three inns to meet us. And when Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. So, he, you know, Paul, I, I believe, pretty sure, pretty positive, uh, when Paul wrote Romans, he had never yet been to Rome. So they would have had this book, Romans, which is an awesome book, and I think the one we're doing next. And, um, and... They would have had that. I mean, they would have known about Paul. They would be very excited. So they're, they're there, you know, they're welcoming Paul. And uh, and then they're very nice to Paul as far as they let him stay by himself with a soldier who was guarding him. And then after three days, Paul starts doing what he does. He starts calling the leading Jews of the area together so that he can begin uh, teaching them or, or at least uh, speaking the gospel to them. He starts out by explaining who he is and what's happening. He says, Brethren, though I have done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, and when they had examined me, they were willing to release me because there was no ground for putting me to death. But when the Jews objected, I was forced to appeal to Caesar, not that I had any accusation against my nation, for this reason, therefore, I requested to see you and to speak with you. For I am wearing this chain for the sake of the hope of Israel. And then they said to him, we, we don't know anything about this. We have not received any letters from Judea concerning you, nor have any brothers come and reported anything bad about you. But we do desire to hear from you what your views are. For concerning this sect, it is known to us that it is spoken against everywhere. So he says, we do know about this way that you live in, this, this Jesus uh, and and people speak badly about it. So if if you're the one talking about it, we're we're interested in hearing what you have to say. So they set up a certain day, and large numbers of people came to him, and and so he solemnly testified about the kingdom of God, trying to persuade them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and from the prophets. So what was the message? The kingdom of God. What is the way in? Jesus. What points to this reality as being the truth and the plan of God, the law of Moses, and the prophets. And so he spoke to them about these things from morning until evening. As usual, some were being persuaded and some would not believe. But when they did not agree with one another, they began leaving after Paul had spoken one parting word. The Holy Spirit rightly spoke through Isaiah the prophet to your father, saying, Go to this people and say, You will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull, and with their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return, and I would heal them. Therefore let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will all listen. When we had spoken these words, the Jews departed, having a great dispute among themselves. And so Paul stayed there for two full years in his own rented quarters and was welcoming all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness and
unhindered. So again, what is he preaching? The kingdom of God. Who is he teaching about? Who is the way into this? Who is Lord, King, High Priest? The Lord Jesus Christ. And he does this with two years. And so then the book just kind of ends. We know that Paul dies in Rome. Um, Many, I think the predominant view is that Paul was let go after this trip. But then ended up being imprisoned again in Rome and then... Um, and then executed after a further, uh, another trip to Rome. Um, so you, I, I don't have, I certainly, it's not something I've studied a great deal, so I don't have any opinion. Some people think he, he did end up meet, getting to Spain. I think some people even think he, he got to like England. There's something called, I, I'm talking about stuff I don't believe in, so just FYI, <laughs> some some hidden, uh, lost chapter of, of Acts 29 showed up uh, like 100 years ago or something from Turkey or something like that, and shows he went to England, and I, I, I think it's a fake, I don't personally believe it. But basically we don't know, Luke ended the story here because that's probably when he was writing the story and so that's all he had to write because he hadn't lived the rest of it yet would have been nice if he wrote some more but that's that's what we have and uh and you know we can fill in the blanks a little bit from um from other writings but that is the book of acts we'll get started on romans here tomorrow and i pray the lord blesses you